presented by the Vapor Technology Association. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Wednesday, February 28th. Here's what's driving the day. First, both strengths and weaknesses showing off in Michigan in the primary for both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Both of them won by large margins. The question of the Michigan primary was never the normal drama of who was going to actually win it. No, last night was always about what we could learn about the possible weaknesses of each of the men in the state. For former President Trump, you had a large percentage of voters in the Republican primary, again, that voted against him and for his opponent, Nikki Haley. The same kind of coalition that she has been putting together over and over in state after state. Not enough to win, but enough for his campaign to be concerned about in November. For President Biden, his concerns are a little bit different. The uncommitted campaign was pushed by at least two different organizations in the state. They blew past their kind of low expectations, they said, of 10,000. You could fight all day long about what was a big win, what was a small win. But at the end of the day, whatever the percentage is, whatever the, the number is, it shows a fracture in multiple groups that Democrats will need if they want Biden to take the state for the second time in a general election. Largely, uncommitted voters were saying to President Biden, we don't like how you're handling the Middle East. And that was at the heart of a lot of the conversation. The folks that I talked to from the uncommitted column last night said that they actually feel like their movement is a, a favor to, to President Biden, basically saying we are telling you exactly what you need to do to win in Michigan. And for them, that's for him to publicly call for a ceasefire, among other demands, and change course of how he's handling the Middle East. The big question is whether or not people are actually going to hear a difference anytime soon and what that actually looks like. When you talk to Biden aides, what they will tell you is that President Biden is doing the work behind the scenes of the thing they want him to say in front of cameras. And you have to remember, this is also a campaign in a White House that largely sticks with the plan that they have in place. It has been a criticism of them for months and months and months. Also, later this morning, Hunter Biden is going to head to Capitol Hill to testify in the House Oversight Committee's impeachment inquiry into his father. Now, a few weeks ago, this seemed destined to not happen. It was months and months of public posturing, media stunts, threats of criminal contempt. Now the drama appears likely to fizzle. First of all, the impeachment effort is on life support after a key witness was charged with lying to federal investigators. This parade of interviews that have already happened has failed to turn up any new POTUS threatening evidence. Hunter Biden's interview is expected to take up most of the day as Republicans kind of make their last best chance to try to trap a Biden family member into incriminating the president. I wouldn't count on it, though. Joining me now to discuss all of that is Congress reporter Jordan Carney. Jordan, good morning. How are you? You're going to be out in this hallway for a very long time today. Yeah, preparing myself for a marathon hallway session. Yeah, I feel, I, I feel so sorry for you congressional reporters because it's just like late nights sitting on hard floors constantly. So I guess, you know, one of the things that you guys have written in has become clear over weeks and weeks and months at this point 
is that more and more Republicans are saying they likely won't have the votes to impeach President Joe Biden. They've already struggled with Alejandro Mayorkas, and that's one that's kind of an easier sell for many Republicans. So let's zoom out a little bit and kind of give me the state of play on the Biden impeachment effort. Right. So um, Republicans formalized you know, this impeachment investigation uh, late last year, and at the time, I mean, a large number of them said, you know, I'm not doing this because I support impeachment at that point. But I think there was a lot of maybe skepticism with those comments that, you know, as they got deeper into this year, those same Republicans were, who were saying I'm not there yet would flip and, you know, they would support it. Well, now we're pretty close to the climax of this investigation. You know, Hunter Biden is probably the biggest witness, is the biggest witness that they've had come in. And you still have, I mean, dozens of House Republicans saying, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not I'm not ready to vote to impeach Joe Biden. One of the things I find really kind of fascinating about the situation is they kind of made promises that they couldn't keep, it seems. For months, they told, you know, especially the right-wing members of the House Republican Conference, told voters over and over again that we're going to impeach this man, right? Even before they actually got their their hands on the wheels of, of the majority. And does it feel like they're still pushing to try and figure out a way to do it, even despite the fact, like, how embarrassing will this be for them if they're unable to impeach the president at this point? I mean, I think to your point, it's fair to say if if this ends, you know, this inquiry ends without a vote to impeach Joe Biden, there's going to be certain members within the conference. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Matt Gaetz, sort of that that corner of the conference, there's going to be voters within the base. I think there's, you know, some concerns that even like the former president could weigh in with a lot of criticism and disappointment and maybe again, like really criticism of this conference for not being able to fulfill what was a promise, certainly, of, you know, their members of the right flank. And it was a promise that was at least, you know, entertained, if not uh, wholeheartedly embraced by the rest of the conference, but by, like, agreeing to do this inquiry, you know, by giving them a very long, a a very long leash for this investigation and, and really making this investigation a priority. So specifically on Hunter Biden, right, he is going to be behind closed doors. This has been the saga of Hunter and Congress has been going on for some time. And I I, I spoke with someone kind of familiar with what he's going to say tomorrow. And he's going to say what he's been saying in other Witnesses have said that for him, his father was not involved in his businesses. He'll acknowledge and talk about his own addiction and then attack Republicans instead they're trying to use him to uh, mount political attacks against his own father. And I guess I'm curious when you kind of look at the the folks who have already done this, it, it didn't get a lot of play last week, uh, but President Biden's brother also spoke to, to, House, to the House last week. And so as you think about kind of Hunter Biden, is he a good witness for them? Is he a bad witness for them? It seems like things have changed since they wanted to get him um, on board and in, in front of them. I think what Republicans on the committees are hoping is, you know, throughout this investigation, they have sort of struggled to show a definitive link between official actions that Joe Biden took, either, you know, as president or as vice president and his, to his family's business deals. I think they are hoping, and, you know, James Biden was this case, Hunter Biden is more this case. This is sort of not their best opportunity, one of their best opportunities to have a witness who they are hoping they can get to show that link, you know, that they could walk Hunter Biden into like 
Attract. Linking, yeah, but as you yeah. said, Hunter Biden, he, you know, he came up uh, whenever the deposition was supposed to happen the first time around, <laughs> and it didn't. And instead, he came out and talked to you know reporters outside the Capitol, where he was pretty definitively saying, you know, my dad is not involved in my business deals. And so, Republicans again, they think he is probably their best witness. You know, they think James Biden was sort of a good opportunity to try to bridge that gap, but we. Um, We'll see, because like, like I said, Hunter Biden's been pretty definitive on that. James Biden, in his opening statement, as we reported last week, you know, was pretty strongly pushing back on this idea that, you know, his brother was involved in his business arrangements. So, yeah, well, it will be a very long day for you. So the <laughs> you know, coffee, some snacks in your bag, um, and we will bother you later, I'm sure, to, to see how it went. <laughs> safe. I'll be there all day if you want to check in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Have a good one. Thanks. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are in as we hurdle very quickly to a possible government shutdown. And they have a lot of work to do. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. A sponsored message from the Vapor Technology Association. President Biden, your administration is actively working against you. Robert Califf and Brian King are going rogue to force your hand on menthol cigarettes. And that's just the start. These unelected bureaucrats have been prioritizing politics over science, evident in their flavored vape ban. Letting the FDA dictate policy undermines your cancer moonshot goals. President Biden, it's time to take back control of your public health agenda.